We begin with news of a potential bilateral meeting between two of Washington's biggest rivals. The news that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un may meet face-to-face -face in Russia with President Vladimir Putin in what would be a rare foreign visit. CNN National Security Correspondent Kylie Atwood is covering this story for us. Kylie, what kind of a signal would this uh, meeting send? Well, listen, if there is an engagement of this type between President Putin and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, it, it could signal that what we have been told by U.S. officials are actively advancing uh, engagements between the two countries on an arms deal have actually reached the point for leader-level decision, right? And that is key. That is hugely significant. According to the NSC spokesperson, Adrian Watson, it's Kim Jong-un who is expecting uh, to have an engagement with President Putin in Russia. She didn't say exactly when U.S. information expects that that is going to happen. According to the New York Times, which first reported this, uh, they said it's likely to happen uh, this month. Now, when it comes to the backdrop here, uh, Jim, we have been hearing a lot from U.S. officials over the course of the last weeks as they have said that there's actively advancing engagements between the two countries on this potential new arms deal. We saw Russian Defense Minister Shoigu travel to North Korea back in July. According to U.S. officials, he was trying to convince North Korea to sell to Russia ammunition. There was a follow-on meeting between uh, by additional Russians to North Korea uh, following that meeting. And then we also know, according to NSC, that Kim Jong-un and President Putin have actually exchanged letters talking about uh, advancing the relationship between the two countries. So it looks like there has been a backdrop, uh, you know, some significant work going into this over the course of the last few months. We don't know exactly what would be in this arms deal, but according to the NSC spokesperson John Kirby, uh, the U.S. intelligence believes that it would include ammunition for multiple different kinds of Russian defense weaponry. Uh, that is hugely significant. And also raw materials for Russia's uh, defense, defense sector. And that's a key area, too, because we know that Russia has long been plagued by the sanctions that have been put on them due to this war. According to John Kirby, the fact that Russia is even looking to North Korea uh, for this support signals desperation and weakness. It's an area that we'll continue to watch to see when this potential engagement actually happens. Yeah, a lot, a lot to keep our eyes on here. Uh, Kylie Atwood, thank you very much. Meanwhile, President Putin met with his Turkish counterpart to discuss a potential rival of the Black Sea Grain Initiative. CNN International Diplomatic Editor Nick Robertson is covering this story for us in London. Nick, uh, what happened during this meeting? Yeah, I don't think anything really new happened. Uh, perhaps that's not a surprise. President Erdogan, who's trying to be a sort of peacemaker here, walked that fine line between Russia and Ukraine, talked to both, tried to keep the options open on the table to find a way forward, went into this saying the world is watching President Putin. But that seemed to be part of Putin's calculus here uh, to get Erdogan in and then to get his grievances about the grain deal out into a bigger public audience. By inviting the Turkish president to grain deal talks in Russia, Vladimir Putin got a big platform to vent his grievances with Ukraine's Western backers. The West, to put it mildly, deceived us about humanitarian goals by the Humanitarian Black Sea Initiative to assist developing countries. But just hours ahead of the meeting, Putin's drones were destroying vital grain stores in Ukraine, as they have done with increased intensity 
since Russia pulled out of the Black Sea grain deal in July. <laughs> Recep Tayyip Erdogan went to Sochi hoping to convince Putin to accept a new UN grain deal. If he had success, it might be slow coming. I believe we will be able to reach a solution which fulfills the expectations soon. The deal was in fact two deals in parallel, one with Ukraine, one with Russia. Inspectors checked cargoes as grain ships exited the Black Sea and entered Turkish waters. It lasted for a year before Putin unilaterally pulled out. His reasons for exiting the deal apparently rooted in Western sanctions, imposed as a result of his illegal and unprovoked war of choice, potentially now leveraging the grain deal to roll some sanctions back. What we saw is that there was a refusal to renew deliveries of the agricultural spare parts, and also there were problems with them, financial settlements and transaction fees. Erdogan wants to be peacemaker, but in Sochi seemed to scold Ukraine and legitimize Putin. In order to be able to take common steps with Russia, Ukraine needs to soften its approach. Putin rightfully does not approve if 44% of the grain goes to European countries. It's not the sort of language you would have expected from somebody who is trying to sort of bring the two sides together and not appear to be biased one way or another. Putin, for his part, said, look, I'm ready to revive and get into discussions about the UN grain deal, but only if I get what I want. And by that, he said, you know, we need to get these restrictions on our exports, as he describes it, on our agricultural products exports. We need to get those lifted. But at the same time as saying that, he is upping the ante, adding pressure, um, pushing through a, a, a separate deal, a, a workaround, if you will, grain deal, whereby he exports Russia's grain to Turkey and then Turkey onships it to the rest of the world, which again puts Erdogan in, in hardly an unbiased position because Ukraine has been saying all along, don't allow Putin to get away with this. Jim? All right, Nick Robertson, thank you very much uh, for uh, more on all these developments. I'm joined by CNN military analyst Mark Hurtling and Spider Marks. Uh, General Hurtling, let me go to you first. Uh, how concerned are you about what I think is going to be a big headline in the coming days, this potential meeting between Putin and Kim Jong-un to discuss weapon, uh, weapons negotiations? What do you think? You know, Jim, you opened this whole thing by saying these are two of Washington's biggest rivals. They're also two desperate leaders of the world's most noted pariah states. Yeah. This will generate a lot of attention. It's showing that Mr. Putin is scrambling for help. Nick's report on Turkey is in the same category. But when you're talking about leaders going by armored train to meet in Vladivostok to exchange, on one hand, Kim Jong-un giving... Putin artillery weapons, uh, artillery ammunition, and potentially getting back ballistic missile capabilities from Russia for his programs. You're just seeing two leaders who are, uh, only are allied with one another right now, and they're having more and more problems with executing their foreign policy. So it will generate a lot of discussion. Uh, there are also indicators that uh, Russia and North Korea want to do exercises and training events. That would be an interesting uh, thing to watch. But uh, across the board, uh, you know, these are two of America's most 
strongest foes and it's going to be problematic. Yeah, and Spider Marks, I mean, how would Russia use more weapons from North Korea in its war against Ukraine? What are your thoughts on all this? Well, clearly, as, as Mark described, and as we saw with the previous uh, reports, um, Russia's in a desperate situation right now. This is a very tactical move. There's nothing strategic about a long-term relationship with North Korea, unless, unless Russia wants to have a very provocative um, partner that will do some dirty work and will allow Russia to reap the benefits of that if North Korea is willing to do that, which they routinely are but won't have any of the accountability as a result. But additional weapons from North Korea to Russia, not surprising at all. They share the same type of caliber weapon systems. So it's an immediate plus up. But again, this is not going to strategically alter the outcome of the fight in Ukraine. What it really describes is that Kim Jong-un is looking for a partner. Beijing has been distancing itself from Pyongyang, appropriately, I think. but. Moscow is now stepping in and trying to um, achieve some type of a relationship that's not dissimilar between Putin's relationship with Xi and that Xi really sees Russia as a vassal state. Putin would love to be able to have that kind of a relationship with North Korea. And General Hurtling, how, how effective are these weapons that Russia is seeking to buy from North Korea? Would they have a significant impact on the battlefield? Is it a smack of uh, some kind of desperation on Putin's part that he's going down this road? Yeah, it's desperation, Jim. These are not precision weapons across the board. What, as Spider just said, these are large caliber, large caliber artillery shells, not precision weapons, not the kind that you can point and hit a target within a 10-foot or 10-meter circular error. They're just a lot of quantity. Now, quantity has a quality all of its own, don't get me wrong, but we have seen Ukrainian forces using precision weapons with great effects, and they're knocking out a lot of uh, Russian artillery pieces. It is turning the tide in the, in the counterfire fight. Uh, so I don't think personally, from a military perspective, that this is going to have a great deal of significance, uh, as Spider just said, on the Ukrainian battlefield. And, and Spider Marks, why do you think Putin is turning to Kim Jong-un right now? Is it, is it in part some desperation? It's an, it's an attempt to achieve a global stage, yet it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of drama on a very small stage, but at least it's external. Look, he's been dealing, he, Putin, has been dealing with a whole host of internal challenges, right? Um, and most recently, he's reasserted himself in terms of a powerful position within Russia, but he enjoys domestic popularity, but anything over the border, he does not. He's an international pariah. There's nothing that he is doing right now that increases his, his position on the stage other than with other autocrats, just like Mark described. You've got these autocratic leaders. They're exchanging notes with each other. They are, without being facetious, they're really brutal actors on a stage, and they continue to um, address issues in a very hard-edged way. There's nothing open about these discussions.